it's important to make sure that faculty are aware of these these opportunities. I think in a lot of times our faculty know better than, than we do where our students are getting jobs and where they're ending up. So they might even have a better idea about their niche market than, than even I do. There's 800 occupations in, in the SOC system and we cover all of them from manufacturing occupations to healthcare occupations to IT occupations and everything in between. So sometimes the faculty know best and they can relay that information then to the students to make sure they know why they're learning the things they're learning and all the courses they're taking and how they can apply that to their future job. The workforce landscape is rapidly changing and educators and their institutions need to keep up. Preparing students before they enter the workforce to make our communities and businesses stronger is at the core of getting an education. But we need to understand how to change and adjust so that we can begin to project where things are headed before we even get there. So how do we begin to predict the future? Hi, I'm Salvatrice Kumo, Executive Director of Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College and host of this podcast. And I'm Christina Barsi, producer and co-host of this podcast. And we are starting the conversation about the future of work. We'll explore topics like how education can partner with industry, how to be more equitable, and how to attain one of our highest goals, more internships and PCC students in the workforce. We at Pasadena City College want to lead the charge in closing the gap between what our students are learning and what the demands of the workforce will be once they enter. This is a conversation that impacts all of us, you the employers, the policymakers, the educational institutions, and the community as a whole. We believe change happens when we work together, and it all starts with having a conversation. I'm Christina Barsi. And I'm Salvatrice Kumo, and this is The Future of Work. Today we talk with Luke Meyer, the director of the Los Angeles and Orange County Region Center of Excellence for Labor Market Research, and the integral work he conducts with the Center for a Competitive Workforce, which you'll hear often referred to as the CCW in this episode. Our hosts Salvatrice Kumo and Luke Meyer take a deep dive into these reports and how we can aggregate from them. Let's get started. Welcome back, listeners, to the Future of Work podcast. I'm your host, Salvatrice Kumo, Executive Director of Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College. I have a special guest here with me today, Mr. Luke Meyer, Director of the Los Angeles Orange County Region Center of Excellence for Labor Market Research. Luke, how are you? Salvatrice, thank you. Uh, and you got that all. I know it's a mouthful. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. If you don't mind, I'm going to get right into it. Sure. The Future of Work podcast is really designed to to share with our community not only the work of our thought leaders such as yourself, but also to really talk about your journey and your career as we have students and employers and other industry folks, you know, redesign and rethinking their their area of focus in their careers. So, from what we know, you know, you started your career really in social services and specifically on children issues. Like what made you jump ship and how did you get interested in this work of labor market research? Tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, I'm glad that you asked, Salvatrice, because I started in this position back in April, last April, and I have set foot on campus exactly twice. And that was to pick up my equipment 
and I've been working <laughs> from my home ever since. So I haven't really forged that mm. uh, personal relationship with a lot of my coworkers. And so most of the time I like to stick to the data, specifically the, the LMI. Um, but it is nice to have some personal relationships and know people on a personal level. So I'm glad that you asked. Yes, uh, I started off in social services, specifically in a group home for boys as a treatment counselor. And I, I love that job right out of college. Uh, and I worked for about three or four years doing that. And uh, then I worked as a community-based counselor where I was going into uh, families' homes and working with parents and kids. And then I went back to the residential side of things and worked my way up to be a manager and a director. I really felt strongly about the work that we did. Uh, these kids, you know, had um, just just a, a bad shake of the deck in terms of life, and I felt like they needed some sort of positive influences in their life, and they had a lot of um, a lot of things to work on. And so that's what we did, and that presented the opportunity to do that through. Things like playing basketball with them, playing cards with them, or getting them to open up and really uh, trust you. And I, I love the work, but as I furthered my career, I was working ridiculous hours because, as you might know, in uh, social services specifically, turnover and burnout can be a huge issue. And so in, in the group home, we were short-staffed often, and as the director, if I couldn't find somebody to fill a shift, I had to be there physically because uh, we couldn't leave kids unattended and unsupervised. So I was working way too much and I knew at the time I wanted to have a family of my own and it didn't seem compatible. So I went to grad school and that's when I started to do work as a researcher and work a little bit behind the scenes and have more of a nine to five schedule. And on my way, actually, I, I taught courses at uh, Cypress College for a short time as an adjunct professor. So that's sort of my connection to the community colleges. And I've always loved higher education. So doing that work as researcher for the Department of Public Social Services in Riverside County, that, you know, reading case files and taking statistics on how many kids are receiving services uh, and reading some of the stories, it can take a toll on, on you. And it takes a really strong person to stay in that role for a long time and you know I just found out I was not one of them and so I had an opportunity uh, to apply as a research manager for the Inland Empire Center of Excellence uh, for, that serves Riverside and San Bernardino County Colleges and I applied, I got that job, I worked there for three years as the research manager under Michael Goss who's the director there and then I was promoted to uh, this position now for serving the LA colleges as the director. So now you're the director of labor market research for the Center of Excellence. For folks who are not really familiar with the Center of Excellence, really what is the charge of the Center of Excellence and then how are you influencing that work in your position? Yeah, so. At the Center of Excellence, our primary role is to provide the community colleges with labor market information. And we do that for the purposes of creating new programs, modifying programs. We provide data for grant applications, anything that requires labor market information. You know, over time, the Chancellor's Office has put a lot more emphasis on the labor market and making sure that programs are aligned to the needs of the local economies. And so 
one of the things that we do that is fairly unique to the COE is a uh, supply demand analysis where we look at the job openings for a specific occupation, say registered nurses, automotive technicians, um, something uh, vocational, and, and we focus on middle skill occupations. So those that require a little bit more education than a high school diploma, but less than a bachelor's degree. It's sort of the sweet spot for community college students where they can enter the workforce. And uh, let's say there's 500 openings for auto mechanics. We want to make sure that our programs are not oversaturating the market and, you know, graduating several thousand students each year when there's only 500 openings. Um, so we, we would like those to be in a nice equilibrium. So the research that we do can draw attention to where there are gaps in the labor market and where there's a need for trained, trained workers. Speaking of supply and demand analyses, most recently your work with, in conjunction with the Center for a Competitive Workforce, published the, mo- you know, the most recent report around essential workers in critical infrastructure industries. And there was, it was reported, right, that about, you know, I'm going to say 20,000 or so annual openings are projected for 10 very specific middle skill and pathway target occupations that the report focused on. So having knowing about these annual projections, right, also taking into account that community colleges completions in general is down in the last few years. In your humble opinion, in your work, in your studies, and in, in, in driving as a domain expert in this area, what do you think is really driving that gap between these annual openings that are projected and then the folks are just not completing? That's, that's a really good question. Uh, and I'm glad that you asked that because the way I see it, there are a few things going on. So one of the things you mentioned was uh, completions uh, being, being down. And that is true in some cases, but not across all programs. So while you know, en- enrollments may have dipped slightly, I think the colleges have done a really great job of revamping programs and changing things from the focus really on not just two-year degrees, associate degrees specifically, uh, but coming up with unique ways to have short-term certificates uh, and, and training of that nature because we've seen those grow in for the most recent years. and so that provides quick training to students and with the hopes of getting them a job rather quickly. So that's good, even though overall credential attainment is slightly down. The next thing is that when selecting these occupations, you know, we focus on essential industries. Well, that's everything from healthcare to some critical manufacturing to IT to public safety. It covers a very wide spectrum of employment. And so our methodology was to select occupations that had a combination of high annual job openings. So either they're in growth or we had a lot of people retiring, which yielded job opportunities and also jobs that pay above a living wage because ultimately, you know, we want our students to be able to make a living. (laughs) You know, it makes no sense to train them for a, a cashier job when that's that kind of thing. One, it doesn't pay much and doesn't require community college education. But the difference in annual openings and credential attainment or, or um, the, the supply 
some of the occupations that we included, because they have so many job openings, it would almost be impossible for the colleges to, to keep up with that kind of demand. Um, you know, some of the occupations have, have a, a high proportion of adults that are over the age of 45 or even 55 in some cases, indicating that there is some impending retirements coming, which is going to lead to a lot of openings. So it's really a call to arms to get more students involved in those programs. You know, there's a lot to, to, do, to do with accounting. Uh, one of the occupations that we highlight is, is bookkeeping and accounting clerks. And they also have a large share of workers over the age of 55, more so than the average across all occupations in all industries. So that leaves a lot of openings for due to replacement needs. And then there are others that we included in the report, such as software developers and paralegals, where the demand for those jobs has grown. So there's a lot of new uh, growth involved in those. So, you know, that we have to keep the colleges in line with the demand for those, too. I don't know if that answered your question uh, directly, but that's that's <laughs> there's a lot going on when we look at a simple. There sure is. And not, not too long ago, if I'm not mistaken, yesterday, in fact, you did a webinar, right? You conducted a webinar really doing a deep dive yeah. on this report. Well, not on this report. This was on the, um, the demand in port-related industries. So That's this, right. this, the Essential Workers Report we released a couple months ago, and then this we released with uh, LAEDC and just did the release webinar yesterday. Now, the, we, you did a release webinar on the Essential Worker Report as well, but I want to kind of go back to what you said earlier about just moments ago about the mix of middle skill and high school occupations that the report shares and identifies as these 10 promising occupations. As a community college, our role is not only to develop the new talent, provide them with the skills to move forward and to compete, but also a lot of that preparation, work, workforce preparation, really comes from you know our counselors and our job developers and other support services. If you were a job placement officer with a community college, knowing what you know about these 10 promising occupations from the report, what would you share with our students to motivate them to pursue those occupations? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, first, I would let them know that there is a lot available, and as I mentioned, across a lot of different industries. So. First, try to get sort of an interest profile from some of these students and then going from, like if they have a, a passion for IT or technology or if they have a passion for, you know, I used to be a social worker. Um, it, it, there's, there's demand in that realm as well. And then I, I don't know, this might be simple-minded of me, but I know that students look at the bottom line and see how much money they can make. And as long right. as they're doing something that aligns with their interests, you know, why not go for the occupations that have higher reported wages? So taking into account their interests and then driving them say, hey, you know, with this interest profile that you have or these things that you're interested in, you could get training in, you know, a year or two and be qualified for these occupations and here is the pay that they offer. I think as a student that would excite me. But in terms of, I feel like I didn't really directly answer your question, in terms of how I would I would get that information to them that would mm -hmm. 
That's a really big question. It, it takes some marketing efforts. It takes some, you know, I would say some posters posted around campus, but you know, we don't have a whole lot of students on campus right now. Um, sure. Some outreach through the faculty. So it's important to make sure that faculty are aware of these, these opportunities. And you know, I think in a lot of times our faculty know better than, than we do where our students are getting jobs and where they're ending up. So they might even have a better idea about their niche market than, than even I do because we cover, you know, there's 800 occupations in, in the SOC system and we cover all of them. And so I am not a specialist in any one particular area, but rather, you know, we cover everything from manufacturing occupations to healthcare occupations to IT occupations and everything in between. So um, sometimes the faculty know best and they can relay that information then to the students to make sure they know why they're learning the things they're learning in all the courses they're taking and how they can apply that to their future job. Thank you for sharing that, Luke. And as a community college that serves a diverse population, not only within ethnicities and groups, but also within age groups too, we know that community colleges have a huge population of adult learners. And the report really shares something super significant, which is, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's that less than 7% of the employees within these essential in industries are under the age of 25 and in about half or 45 and older. Well, the majority of our population within a community college is typically between the ages of, you know, 18 to 26 within that bracket. And then again, that's just general within community colleges. Do you think it makes sense to address the age gap in these essential industries as practitioners are building talent towards those middle-skilled and high-skilled occupations. How might we do that? Is it important to fill those gaps? And how do we, you think, collectively as a region, maybe we address that? And, and is it an industry problem or is it a institutional problem? That's a good question. I, I guess I don't see it as, as a problem, as more of an opportunity because you're, you're right. Essential industries are, are kind of difficult to quantify because there is, we have the, you know, the, the grocery stores and the, the, the barbers and we have a lot of laborers and stock and order fillers, which are a lot of lower wage opportunities. And we saw that in a lot of the unemployment insurance data sets where the people to file for unemployment often had lower levels of education and were earning lower dollars. Although that's not always the case. And, you know, there are essential industries in healthcare where there's physicians and there's nurses. So there, there is a mix. And so what you say about the ages where fewer are younger and more are um, an older population, I see that as an opportunity with people talk about the silver tsunami with um, impending, you know, retirements. And right. with the, the change of work always evolving and things becoming more, you know, leaning towards automation, more digital work. Now, obviously, the rise of remote work and other things. I see that as sort of a young person's game, so to speak, because technology is infused in everything that we do. And so 
when I really think about it, I see our students in a, in a great position because they're younger, they've grown up with a lot of these technological trends and they can capitalize that on the labor market mm -hmm. side of things. And, and, and you know, if they have solutions that involve technology that they can offer, that makes them very attractive to employers. So, you know, you think of a job like, like I mentioned, um, you know, accountants, and we know that accountants use software like QuickBooks a lot of the time. And, you know, a lot of that work previously done by hand, uh, you can create a lot of efficiencies as, as a, an accountant or a bookkeeper of some kind. And I see that only working, it, of course, that could reduce the number of jobs available for that particular occupation if there's a little bit more automation involved. But I see students being in a unique position to be able to inform some of those efficiencies. I don't know if that quite makes sense, but Mm -hmm. They can get more done with a little bit less, and obviously employers care about the bottom line. They want to see that information, so our students could be well-positioned for stuff like that. Sure, and, and um, as we all know, right, innovations around technology is going to continue to shape the work of an, an essential occupation, and so it makes complete sense. And you're right, our students, our students do have a competitive advantage because of just the era in which we are in. Additionally, how we were forced kind of into this technology, we were forced into technology with the pandemic, you know, so it does allow for a competitive advantage for sure. I know that you've had webinars and we and a webinar on this and we'll be sure to put that in the show notes for the student who's listening, for the employer who's listening, what would be a highlight, a takeaway from your findings on this report? that you feel they have to, sh you have to share and they have to know. And they can learn, obviously learn more in the webinar recording, but what would be that one thing you think that a student should know about this report to walk away with and an employer as well? That's a really great question. Uh, to boil it down to one thing is, is tough, but I would say this. One of the things that jumped out to me earlier in the report, because for these Center for a Competitive Workforce reports, we work with the Los Angeles Economic Development Corporation, LAEDC. They do a lot of the demand side of the, the report, and then we supply a lot of the community college data, so the um, supply side of things. And one of the things that the uh, report author, Shannon Sedgwick, pointed out is that employment in essential industries was far more uh, insulated or protected from the effects of the pandemic than those in non-essential industries. I don't have the uh, figures in front of me, but non-essential employment decreased. You know, I want to say it was just over 20% during March and April specifically of last year, while employment in essential industries was not nearly as impacted. There was a dip, but what the take home for that for students is that if you can get a job in one of these essential industries, your, your job security is much higher than someone in a non-essential industry during times like these. Right. So that is the, the biggest takeaway. But that issue is, I don't want to say it's complicated, but some of the occupations that we highlighted work across a lot of different industries. So you have software developers, for example they can be employed by tech companies, sure, but they can also be employed by, you know, hotels that need help with de maintaining their app or, de or developing their app to grocery stores, to 
a lot of different organizations and businesses across many different industries employ them. So just to say that you are getting training as a software developer, it's different going to work for a gaming company than it would be for uh, you know, some sort of software that you're developing in healthcare. If during times like these, it would be advantageous to, to work the, the job in an essential industry. So that's, that's the first thing. And then I think what I would say to employers is that in the report, we list the training programs that are offered at the 19 community colleges in LA and the nine in Orange County and the, the one adult school. And so if employers are having trouble finding qualified applicants for some of those jobs, they can take a look at the report and they can see which colleges are offering programs related to what they're looking for. And I would encourage those employers to reach out to our colleges, try to develop a relationship and say, hey, we need, you know, skills X, Y, and Z for from these applicants. So can you incorporate these things into your curriculum? Because ultimately that's, that's the big thing that we want to do at the end of the day is align our curriculum with the needs of the workforce because the better prepared our students are, the more they're going to stand out when they apply for these jobs. That's right. And the more that they will also be prepared to compete. I mean, the employers, well, I just put a shameless plug as well, is that, you know, as community colleges, we're a source of talent and we've got excellent talent. And not only the the employer's role in helping us with curriculum development and curriculum design, but also we're a source of talent for them too. I appreciate that. You said that very much. Of course, yeah. It's, it's, it's something that I don't know if employers across all industries think about it or if they even know uh, or care where, where their, their qualified applicants come from. But when they, when they start seeing their students from community colleges, I hope they, they take that as a sign to, to reach out and, and, and try, to, try to make something, a partnership, you know. Right. Especially since our programs are so hyper-focused on specific skills, it really behooves the employer to just really kind of take a look and see, you know, and, and share, take a look and see what we have. Because there, there's, I'm telling you, there's the sheer volume of talent that comes out of community college is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Not that there's not a, a volume of talent that, that comes out of all any other higher ed um, institution, but community colleges are uniquely positioned to meet the exact criteria that industry needs for that talent development. And I think that's where the magic is to your point. And that's why your work is so important, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and this partnership that we have with LA EDC is a very critical one because they host uh, as a part of CCW, they use LA EDC's business connections and bring industry partners to the table along with community college representation, so faculty and administration. And they basically create a conversation where the employers, there was one on uh, web, web development recently, where the employers come to the table and they say, here, here's, here is the software that we're using. Here are the skills that we're really after. And are your programs teaching these? And so then, you know, faculty can go back to their their learning outcomes and make sure they're addressing those things so that when the students complete the program six months from now, a year from now, you know, they can go back to that employer and say, hey, I got the skills that, that you're looking for. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
This, I mean, I'm telling you, this report is one of my favorites that you all have composed because even for us, we've been able to, not only does it inform curricula, but it also informs student support services. Again, it's really this real holistic approach to preparing not only our workforce into these high demand essential occupations, but it allows us room to innovate on those services and innovate around the curricula. Um, and it's fantastic. I mean, again, this is one of my favorite reports, but Center of Excellence in conjunction with the Center for a Competitive Workforce, you know, publishes these reports. I encourage our listeners to really take a look at that. Well, again, we'll put that link into the show notes where you can find all of these reports and read through them as you're not only as you're maybe looking into a career yourself or just want to know more, or if you are a practitioner and, and you want to further your development and your, your program development, please take a look. What new is coming up for you, Luke? I mean, we've got, I, mean, I know, I know secretly what's in the pipeline, but our listener doesn't know what's in the pipeline for you. What new projects are you working on that we can anticipate? Well, we, we just published the Opportunities in Global Commerce, which is the middle skill demand at the LA Basin Air and Seaports. So that will be available on the CCW website. And then within the COE, we're working on some sector profiles. And what I mean by that is we go through the priority and emerging sectors uh, identified by the Chancellor's Office. So advanced transportation and logistics, ICT digital media, healthcare, public safety, education, human development, and we produce supply demand reports for each individual sector. And so what we're able to do is do a, a real deep dive about all of the programs in the region, what they bring to the table, how many completions there's been, how many enrollments there are by program. Uh, we dive a little bit into the demographics of the students within those programs. And then we look at the demand side of things and say, here are the job opportunities. And then we, we also do something else where we look at uh, job postings so we can do some real-time labor market information analysis. And we can identify the employers that are currently seeking, within the last month even, seeking employees for those positions. And so those reports, I feel like, are hyper-focused on one particular sector. And obviously faculty in those sectors likes, likes to see what, what's in there. We can look at the skills that the employers are looking for. And then, you know, employers then can look at these reports and they can see, oh, here are the programs offered by these seven community colleges. Let's look for, let's look for talent from those colleges. So we're doing those sector profile reports. And then, as always, we continue to provide all the colleges with uh, labor market information for new and existing programs, basically to make sure that they are uh, sort of in balance with the demand in the labor market. And then, as you have uh, reached out to me, Salvatrice, and asked, uh, some professional development opportunities for you know, faculty and administration at the community colleges and to train them on things like labor market information and interpreting our reports. Because sometimes it's not immediately clear when you look through the information in our reports. We, we do our best to make it user and reader friendly, but you know, my head is deep into this every single day, so I might not see so I don't see it through the same lens as, as everyone else. We'll be doing webinars uh, over the coming months, walking through how to use this information. So those are some of the things, but the sector profiles will be going through the rest of the year, basically, because those are a labor of love, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> I love all of that. I love the hyper sector focus. 
approach to these reports. Oh, and we also just recently did a webinar on CTOS data, so the Career Technical Education Outcome Survey that's administered by Santa Rosa Junior College up north. They produce a massive data set, so they survey students after they leave our programs, uh, complete our programs about a year after they've, they've left and haven't re-enrolled and ask them questions about where they're working, what they're doing, whether their job is related to their field of study, what kind of wages they're earning, whether they are satisfied with their education and training experience. And then they match that data to a lot of MIS data or just student data so we can we can see you know, how our older students are faring in the labor market. We can look at them by program, we can look at we can, we can disaggregate the data in a lot of different ways. So our institutional research offices and institutional effective offices receive this data annually. And there is just a lot of stories that can be told. And it really is a great learning opportunity to look through this and identify where we can do better as a community colleges, but it also highlights a lot of successes in our programs. Like in the port uh, release webinar yesterday, we were discussing a heavy equipment operation program and students in that more than double their income from before they enroll in the program to after they leave the program. Oh, it's amazing. So they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're doing great and it's a short-term program. And so we can highlight small things like that, but then on a larger scale, how, 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 see how we're doing overall, basically. Well, I can't wait for all of this to, to come to fruition. The work that you do and your team does is so incredibly valuable, not just, not just to us in academia, but to our region, to our employer partners, to our students. It's important to be as informed as we can in order to produce and be responsive and nimble to what the demands are. And, you know, we thank you. We thank you very, very much. And I, well, thank and you. all of everything that you just said of what, of, you know, new projects that are coming, coming your way or you're working on, I can't wait to do follow-up episodes on. Thank you so much, Luke, for, for spending your, your time with us today. We thank you and value your work. And I can't wait to chat with you again about all this new stuff coming up. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Salvatrice. It's been a pleasure. This has been uh, quite a year for labor market research. So the more we can get the word out there about what we're working on and keep the, the keep the public informed, I think the better because we're these are rapidly changing times. So for sure, this, I, I look forward to uh, talking again soon. Thank you so much, Luke. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Future of Work podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening platform so you can easily get new episodes every Tuesday. You can reach out to us by clicking on the website link below in the show notes to collaborate, partner, or just chat about all things Future of Work. We'd love to connect with you. All of us here at the Future of Work and Pasadena City College wish you safety and wellness.